Hello. Welcome. Read with Finest, episode nine. Yes, I think. Uh, we're going to be reading today. I'll be reading today. You'll be listening. Then we're going to continue the stories of the hungry tigress. And then reading the commentaries of the story. So the story today is Nalagira, Nalagira, the elephant. And then afterwards, we'll, you know, of course, we'll, like we'll sit and commentary in between. Uh, yeah, welcome. All right. Nalagira was an elephant, a great bull tusker. And he was a brute. Huge, violent, ugly-tempered, as much like other elephants as an untamed stallion is like a child's pony. The king had been warned. Nonetheless, he liked the sense of power that came from owning and riding such a beast. It was said, too, that rival kings hesitated to attack for fear of facing Nalagira in battle. Devadatta, the Buddha's cousin, while a monk remained proud, cruel, and selfish. Like Nalagira, he was undisciplined. In his unbridled quest for power, Devadatta knew no restraints and had even made attempts through courtesans, poison thugs on the Buddha's life. Somehow, the efforts had all failed. Devadatta himself had even once pushed a boulder down towards the Buddha as he walked along a desert, uh, deserted forest path. The boulder hur- uh, hurtling down bounced and miraculously split. Only a tiny splinter of stone pierced the Buddha's foot. It's mm, crazy. Still, Devadatta persisted, persisted, his mind twisting and turning to find some final foolproof plan. One day, he hit upon a stratter gem so simple, yet so perfect, that he wept for joy. What a hater, bro. All right. Now Gira shall be my emissary, Devadetta said, cried. I shall get the monster drunk, maddened with noise, Pride him with spears and release him on the Buddha's path. The perfect, unpunishable murder will commit itself. And off he hurried to the royal elephant stables. There, Devadatta found a man raking the yard clean of soiled straw and elephant dung. Devadatta saw the anger burning there. Friend, said Devadatta, I seek a man who desires to rise in this world, a man willing to take hold of the golden chances that fortune offers. Speak on, said the man. Devadatta smiled. I have a problem. A cousin, mad with power, will not share the reins of his office. If you would help, your task will be simple. Fill Nalagara's thorough with wine and let Nalagara drink. Let the fire and the beast be soothed so that he made no peace. Let him be released from his bondage. Yes, at the right time, let him know freedom. Release him from his chains, and you shall let him release. You should let him release me from my problem. Do you understand, man? All these uh people trying to manipulate people. Uh, message probably 
for the listener and me. Uh, <clears throat> be aware. All right. Are you not Devadatta, cousin of the Buddha? Devadatta bowed at your service. It might prove expensive. <laughs> what a smart dude. Davidada smiled again. <clears throat> Friend, he said, kings wait upon me. Woman, gold, jewels, just name what you desire and you shall have it. Do not fear, your fortune is made. You shall soon see the last of the land of the elephant dung. Bring friends, I shall liberate them from their difficulties too. And so, so, and so the plan was made. The next night, in the early hours before dawn, six men carried their large clay jugs into Nalagera's stall. Nalagera's heirs fawned forward as he heard liquid splashing into his throat. He lifted up his trunk and, smelling sweetness, walked forward, his chains clank clanking. He drank, and it was sweet, as sweet as flowers, as sweet as sugar cane. About to get lit. Nalagira's eyes grew soft, half lit it, and flicked and flicked with gold. His trunk twirled his this way and that. His ears flopped. Slowly, the great beast swayed first to one side, then the other. He lifted a hind foot, then a front. He gargled as if he was if singing to himself, long forgotten, some long forgotten peaceful elephant lullaby. <laughs> Um, the stall cleaner watched from the windows of the doorway slowly the darkness around him lightened a warmth touched his neck and a shadow stretched before him as the sun crept over the palace wall it was time the stall keeper picked up a spear and single signaling the others to follow crept forward towards uh, where Nalgera swayed and gargled He's over there drunk to singing. You know, just chilling. Out. Now, in the darkness, all had drunk of the palm wine, and the air was sickly sweet with the smell of it. Now they were set, crouched in a place directly behind Nalagra. Their eyes shone with greed and wine, excitement and fear. So everybody lit. They just were lit with weapons, and I guess Nalagra is the weapon. So they just, you know... Never a good, never a good mix here. Uh, but we, you know, we shall see. Um, now, shouted their leader, and they yelled, screaming loudly. Symbols uh, crashed, drums thundered, spears jabbed. Nalagira screamed, a wild, mad. Canophonous, canophonous, canophonous scream. Trumpeting so loudly and so shrilly that the walls of the stable shook and the straw dust billowed up and swirling, choking clouds. Then Nalgira whirled on his torment tormentors, straining with his trunk and tusk to each and destroy them. The men, terrified, ran, but the chains held. Then the men, released from their fear, laughed and grew angry. One picked up a jagged stone and hurled it so that it struck with a great thump on the boggling dome of Nalgira's forehead. They laughed again. Nalgira's eyes blazed with red fire. He trumpeted, he trumpeted madly. 
and dung at, and dug at the earth with his truck tusk in in his rage. But the men made bold by the mine by the wine and thrusting in the strength of the chains raced behind and jabbed with their spears. Again, Nalagira screamed and, and whirled, but the men raced behind him. Again, the cymbals crashed. Again, the spear points pierced the thunder foes of Nagira's skin. Enough, shouted the st stall cleaner. Unbar the gates. Let Nagira charge out into the streets. Prepare to release the chains. But it was too late. Nalagira in his frenzy had a strength that had not they they had not bargained for. Hmm. Well, you know. Uh, yeah, that uh, makes sense. All right. With a scream, Nalagira uh, hurled himself forward. The chains snapped. On he came. The broken chains whipping his ankles like gourds. Uh, Golds straight. On at his tormentors, he charged in his fury, and he caught them still inside the stable. He pounded them with his head and gored them with his tusk. He kneeled upon them, crushing them into the mud and dung and straw. You had you had him you had him messed up for sure. So that's what you get. You talking about a drunk? He was just singing and drunk, just chilling. Now you poking you poking them with sticks. <sighs> All right. He beat them into the earth with his tusk until only a bloody fourth remained. He put his trunk into his mouth. He put his trunk into his mouth and in in, in much madness trumpeted loudly. Then Nalgira, like some demon of unspeakable power, smashed down the steel buried steel unbarred gates and stormed out into the early morning streets. So now you don't unleash a beast. A drunk beast. It's not even a beast. It's a drunk elephant that just, you know, doesn't want to be in chains. Can you blame him? <clears throat> As the Buddha quietly walked through the streets of the city, gathering offerings from the, his morning meal, he heard cries and screams. Crowds streamed past, racing through the streets. Run, master, they yelled. Run. Nalagira is loose and he is furious. They got sticks in them. He looks mad and drunk. In a great splintering of beams and planks, nearby walls collapsed. There was a great roaring as uh, masonry stone and brick came tumbling and crashing down. A black cloud of churning dust and smoke rose up. With loud flopping of wings, flocks of screaming, terrified birds wheeled through the sky. Cattle bellowed, and above it all rose the wild trumpeting of Nagira's raging in his madness. The Buddha walked towards the sound of destruction. At a safe distance behind him, a crowd of men, women, and children gathered. Many gathered, too, on the rooftops and on and balconies to see what happened when Nagira and the Buddha met. And Anadan a Buddha's attendant and cousin walked by his side. He had already decided that when the dreaded moment came, he would throw himself before Nagira so that the Buddha himself might yet be saved. As they approached the, pal the place of Nagira's rampage, a hush fell on the crowd. Those on the rooftops also grew silent. Now the only sound was that of 
Nalagira in his rage. The Buddha stopped. At the end of the street, Nalagira kicked at at an already crumbling mud brick wall. He lifted up a shattered bed and flung it in the air. Broken carts, pots, tables, chairs littered the ground. The body of a bull, his neck broken, lay crumbled against the half-demolished house. Sorry. Mm -mm. Come, Nalagira. Come, friend, called the Buddha. Nalagira spun to face uh, this new threat. He lifted his trunk, sniffing the dust-laden air. Then, trumpeting wildly, he charged. You got me fucked up. As I'm assuming what he'd done, it was, it was saying, tell me to come on. Come, friend. You the people that was poking sticks at me? Yeah, friend. So he's, he's charging. The crowd screaming scattered wildly. Even the monks broke ranks and fled, their orange robes fluttering like great panicked butterflies around them. But the Buddha, with Anadad struggling mightily with his rising fears still by his side, stood firm. Nalagira, like a great black cloud, his tusks gleaming like lightning, hurtled towards them. The Buddha smiled and, advising Anadad to remain where he was, stepped forward saying, Come then, Nalagira, since you seek, you shall find. And he extended an infinite infinite tenderness towards Nalagira, lost and alone in his madness. Like a shadow of the wind racing along the bending grass, blades like a white glimmering wave spreading along the shores like a faint wearing and whirling in the sunlight like the curling of heated air over the paved roads something raced towards Nalagira and broke against the rock of his brow Nalagira staggered slowed his ears fanned back and forth his trunk lifted this way and that sniffing searching the wind uncertainly he stepped now this way now that like one lost confused the fire in his eyes softened tears hung from the long lashes and rolled down the thick gray black wrinkled hide some 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 type of stronger drug than than wine is in the air apparently uh come nalagira come friend repeated the buddha in a voice sweet as honey and Nalagira, trunk extended, eyes half-closed, stumbled blindly forward like a lost child that rears its, mother's, its mother calling, like a calf seeking the teat. The Buddha reached toward his hand and gently touched the curled, thick-skinned, bristly trunk tip. Every air of Nalagira body stood erect. His eyes opened wide, rolled upward, his knees buckled. And slowly, like a mountain sinking into the sea, like a mound of sand washing away in the tide, Nalagira sank down before the Buddha, sighed once, and rested his great tusk head upon the, the earth. Suffering, friend Nalagira, said the Buddha, stroking lightly the great dome of Nalagira's forehead, is the condition of all life. But there is a path that leads beyond it. No more killing, Nalagira. Walk on, friend. With no thoughts of harm towards any living, then shall the darkness lift. Rise now, Nalagira, and be at peace. Then Nalagira rose, and flinging his trunk back up upon his head, trumpeted the royal salute. 
After he after that, he stood calmly, quietly swinging his trunk and tail until his frightened trainer came hesitantly forward and led him back to the palace stables. Oh man, back to back to slavery. You know, where they hurt him. He's not supposed to hurt anybody. You know, they 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 hurt him. He can't kill. I, I mean, I I feel I I understand, but man, yeah, you know, I don't know if I agree. But we'll, we'll let's keep going. Then the people cheered, tossing service, scarves, coins, and uh, flowers into the air. Musicians beat drums and played flutes and pipes. The king himself ex ex exclaimed, "Today we have seen such a miracle as never before. The Buddha without." Weapons or force has stopped Nalagiras in his rampage. He has pacified the heart of that great beast. So let us celebrate. Whoever has suffered losses, even so little and <clears throat> as the smallest grain of rice, let them come forward. They shall have compensation from my own hands. Wow, that's very nice. Tonight, world honored one, dine with me. Speak and I shall listen. This day, a flower of faith has opened in my heart. In nearby alley, basically, yo, Buddha, that was some wild, wild shit, bro. I'm paying everybody for everything that went wrong because what I saw is crazy. Buddha, come eat and chill with me because that was wild what you did with that elephant. You see that? It was running at you, and this, this dude was cold-blooded like, chill and the elephant went back to slavery i'm gonna put that in my notebook <clears throat> all right in a nearby alley one lone angry face broaded from the shadows it was david david date for an instant the walls of his pride had fallen and he too had gazed with wonder upon the unlikely scene in the instant a sudden wild impulse had arisen in his heart an impulse to rush forward and like nalagira tore, throw himself down and find peace but he would not give in to it wrapping his robes even more tightly around him he withdrew further yet into the shadows the buddha saw the slight movement and sorrowed yet at the same time he saw too that the distant day, ages hence, when Devadetta David himself would step from the darkness after endless calipas in the depths hails, in the depths hails, he would rise restored to himself at last and be a Buddha. So, with a faithful anadad by his side, and amidst the great joyful noise of the people, Buddha set off through the city towards the palace of his host, the king. So basically, whenever my cousin stops being such a hater, stops hating so hard, all in those shadows, living in that darkness, getting his hands all dirty, getting all that karma, which is going to hurt him later. I wish he knew. He's going to go through pain. He could just not if he didn't want to. But once he stops hating, you know, he can come and uh, be, the, be the next Buddha. Um, very cool. Very cool. Uh, let's go to the commentary on 203. Here are the commentaries. <clears throat> Two of the Buddha's cousins appear as archetypes throughout the Buddhist literature. One named Anadad 
was renowned renowned uh, for his loyal, gentle, generous, and sensitive nature, as well as for his extraordinary intelligence and memory. He was for many years the Buddha's attendant. It is through Enadad that the Staras, Staras, essentially the teachings of the Buddha himself, have come down to us. Tradition holds that he was there, heard the Buddha's discourse, remembered them perfectly, and then passed them on orally. The traditional opening words of each satire, thus have I heard, are a reminder of Anadad and this oral trans, uh, transmission and experience. Many stories bring to life the close and intimate ties said to have existed between the Buddha and Anadad. In this collection, see Paranirvana uh, and commentaries for Great Joy, The Ox, Shakara's Black Hound, and The Hungry Tigress. So, Anadad is also a cousin. Well, you know, but Davidita, Davidata becomes a Buddha, apparently, but he's a bad cousin. Ah. I guess, you know, you get a lot of saints, like I said, I was reading that earlier about like a lot of uh, sinners become saints and, you know, that, that they go through all that trial and tribulation. So I guess it, it does make sense that someone from such a far side then becomes to the other side because they have those experiences of being on the dark side. Uh, yeah. All right. The other cousin, Devadatta, Devadatta was infamous for evil and wrongdoing. So driven that uh, so driven was he by his own selfishness that he attempted the Buddha's murder not just once but on several occasions. In Nalagira, the elephant, both Anadada and Davadatta appear. They coexist in many other Jakatas as well. Devadatta, Devadatta, always doing evil, acting selfishly, cruelly, etc and Anadad always doing good or learning to do so. In the endless future, however, as tradition asserts that all things are ultimately destined for liberation and Buddhahood, even Davidatta, after condemning himself through his own evil actions to countless lifetimes in the lowest hells, will rise his negative karma expedited at last and attain perfection. And the many stories which in include Devadatta in the collection in this collection see the falcon and the quill, the lion and the elephant, and the merchant's cries, the golden deer, the blue bear, the preacher of patience. This guy's on a lot of stories. I'm gonna be very familiar with this with this person, this character. He is seen as the unconverted and unrepentant evildoer, the one still completely addicted to the poison of selflessness, anger, and greed. In many ways, Anadad and Davidatta are the Buddhist version of the good and evil twins, uh, a mythic pattern common to many traditions. Yet in this version, the pattern ultimately serves to reveal the profound ideal idolism of the Mayahana ver uh, vision. Even Devadatta, the one who embodies the most spiritual retrograde elements of the cosmos, is assured of Buddhahood. Uh, well, you know, but obviously it will take an 
incalculable, unimaginable, long time. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, stories about, abound of the power of, of sages over wild animals in, em, in Empty Cloud, the autobiography of Zen master Hus Yun, one of the greatest of the 20th century Chinese Zen masters, several such incidents are related. In one, a tiger enters the meditation hall and peacefully receives the precepts and receives the precepts much to the constrain of the monks. There are other considerably older Chinese stories of certain great but eccentric Zen masters sometimes portrayed in the Zen paintings fast asleep, completely at ease with the heads cradled with their heads cradled on the sides of a sleeping tiger. And there is the Zen master of the Tang era, China, whose two attendants, it is said, were not humans, but tigers named Big Emptiness and Little Emptiness. Emptiness, i.e. empty of all limiting concepts, especially the concept of a separate selfhood, being a Zen expression of, for a true nature. As miraculous as this tale is, the Buddha is certainly not alone in this in in this territory, Saint Francis of Assia, Assisi, for one, would certainly have appreciated the tale. The most complete version of this tale can be found in the Reynolds Anthology of Sinhalis Buddhist literature. There is also a good brief recounting in Korma Korma Swami's. Buddha and the Gospel of Buddhism. Many accounts of the life of the Buddha include a retelling of this famous incident as well. And there, that's the end of that little uh, commentary in the story. Uh, I, you know, I like this story. Um, the part I didn't like, and the part that still hung up on it is, I'm I'm really upset with uh, Nalagir going back to his chains and going back to the to slavery. You know, like I, I I'm not I'm not cool with that. I'm not happy with. That, that elephant just going into that part and just ending there. You know, I'm hoping to hear more more about Nalagir. I hope I hope he escapes one day and can live in peace away from the humans that create so much evil for him. Because um, you know, it kind of reminds me of Frankenstein, where that whole thing of like, where you know, wherever these humans are, they're gonna mistreat me, and and I can't really do anything, so I have to run from these 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 folks, and as best I am separated from these folks because uh, you guys are, you don't like me. You do bad things. You put me in chains. Um, I don't think we can live in peace. Maybe, but I doubt it. Not if I got to live in chains, yo. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty cool. I'm also kind of like, you know, I just, I talked about it earlier, but still thinking about the whole, the extra bad cousin ends up getting to Buddha, Buddhism or gets to Buddhahood. Um, but I, I, I guess it takes so much long time and it goes through so much to get to there that why not? I'm sure they go through enough suffering. So I guess my pettiness is, is, you know, filled, filled with that. Well, all right. That was the end of that. Thank you for listening to Reading with Finest. We'll be back with our next story tomorrow, which is, uh, Kisa Gadama. It's all right.
Cool. Do 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 do